Hi, I'm Rachel Dillon. And I'm Marcus Dillon. And this podcast is Who's Really the Boss, where we highlight the joys and challenges of running a business with your spouse or family. Our mission is to strengthen families and businesses by helping listeners avoid the mistakes we have made so they can lead and live happily ever after. Well, hey, welcome back to another episode of Who's Really the Boss podcast. Hey, it's good to be back in studio with you in office and uh, be actually home for a bit, not traveling uh, the last, like I have been, so. Yeah, well, I love it. So just to tell you, um, we come here so infrequently now, we being me, that almost every time we record, I have to change the batteries and the remotes for like the lighting and the setup almost every single time now. So I just have to build in that uh, admin time to prep so that uh, I get the good lighting, which we all know I get the good lighting and you get the mediocre lighting. And so it's fine. Yeah. I, uh, that, that should not be happening though. Batteries should last a little bit longer, especially if you're not using the lighting. So maybe the cleaning crew is hosting a podcast or doing some <laughs> selfies, Instagram, TikTok, maybe, maybe something else is going on, uh, in that office over there. Yeah. I'm not too sure. So we are going to be talking about um, maybe some hot topics or what some relevant information might be. We have just over the last couple of weeks, we have had the opportunity to be actually face to face with lots of different people. So both at work and personally. And so it's been it's been a great time. Uh, I did have to take a little break from peopling because it just got to be too much uh, too much, too often. And I'm not used to that. COVID like was really my jam where we were uh, isolated more than we weren't. And so um, anyway, so today kind of wanted to talk through uh, what's in your inbox. Yeah, I think when we were talking about this discussion leading up to today and just as client CFO for a handful of clients, obviously running our business as well, and then helping other firm owners with the questions that they've got, um, it's pretty timely. So what ends up in, in my inbox, as well as Leslie, other leaders in our office who are leading clients, it, it's a variety of things. So when we spend time, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or in a group coaching setting, uh, there's a lot of therapy involved. Um, so I think the team does a really good job from the CSM and the controller level to provide technical expertise to clients to make sure that everything's in line. The controller is really making sure the data is really, really good. So others can have really good, like planning conversations and unpack what that data tells us. So um, I'm excited about these topics because I'm sure they're on everybody's mind. Um, they just may not have somebody to go to and ask and have a dialogue. Yeah, so let's back up just like a half a step and talk through fractional CFO services that we offer. So today will mostly be questions that come in for our client CFOs, which offer fractional CFO services. So let's um, just talk a little bit about what that entails. Yeah, so uh, fractional is a great word. I think that hopefully sets the stage if, if you can define fractional, you can kind of grasp what we do offer. So 
We support clients with a team of three. That team of three is made up of a client service manager. We call that a CSM for short, a client controller and a fractional CFO. And so our different levels of service within our our, uh, business are really driven around how much time that fractional CFO spends with a business owner. So it could be an annual touch point, a quarterly touch point, or even a monthly touch point if they're going through a growth stage, um, something more in their business where they need that additional service um, and, and really go from there. So the CSM, the controller, that level of service is consistent across the the organization because that that CSM, they're, they're taking point on payroll, reconciliations, doing things throughout the weeks and the months to make sure that we have good data. That controller, they then take you know, point, they're kind of the project manager for overall the um, all reporting, all compliance. So they're making sure that the monthly financials are good to go, uh, making sure that the CSM doesn't have any questions throughout that relationship, making sure the client's being well taken care of across the board, but then also they take point on compliance projects. So um, tax returns, tax projections, making sure that everything is in line there. And then from a CFO perspective, given that the frequency of that touch point, the CFO is really taking all of that data, extracting data into additional reporting software dashboards to help guide the business owner to future forward thinking kind of questions, results, things like that, to where it's like, hey, here's where we've been, here's where we're at, where are we going kind of conversations. And a lot of that is happening right now around uh uncertainties in the economy, whether it's at a local or a a national level, people look at their brokerage statement and say, you know, how is this going to impact me? And should I turn up some marketing in our business to make sure that we can kind of get through? Do we need to evaluate costs in the business, whether that's, you know, software or office expense like G&A costs, or is it people, uh, which most of our clients are professional service. So, People is the biggest expense, no doubt, across many of our clients and, and even our office, right? So um, that's what really that CFO will, will plan for. The, the other fun conversations we have are around M&A and bank opportunities as far as refinance or expansion, growth. Those are great ones that we've had a lot over the last few years, but those may get less frequent, just the environment that we're going into. And so it's probably a little bit more in... Uh, getting lean, making sure we're making great decisions in the business as we've touched on before in in this podcast. Yeah. And I think that what we offer or have uh, traditionally offered as CFO services can really be boiled down to like uh, part-time therapy, part-time, like a non-equity partner, part-time, you know, uh, business analyst and uh, growth or goal coach. I mean, there's like, there's a lot of, of words or similarities between a lot of different people that all gets wrapped into that uh, client CFO role. And so really talking today, wanted to share some things as far as that you and uh, currently Leslie are seeing in your inbox just meaning what are, what are clients asking for? What are they asking about? What are they needing, um, more expertise or even sometimes just confirmation of what they're planning or thinking. So what are some topics that are coming through um, for you guys here recently? Yeah, I'll start with at least a couple that are always relevant. So I think people 
want to know one, how they're doing compared to their peers or their industry group, especially as the economy around them is starting to shift. So uh, really from pricing conversations to make sure that that's dialed in and obviously inflation and increasing costs with team members and expenses, that's something to keep in mind. So um, just making sure that they are at market rate for whatever service or procedure that they provide. A lot of our medical and dental professionals obviously are capped by insurance. And so it's also maybe an insurance renegotiation is timely. So what, what conversations we love to have are around growth and around revenue, making sure that we're maximizing that. So that's probably the most fulfilling because we can go in and kind of see different revenue metrics, compare those to industry and even other like clients that we have and just kind of utilize that 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 knowledge for that client. So, you know, there's a lot of things that you could do um, if you don't have a one, just making sure that you have good numbers is always a start. And so that's like what our model is built around to allow the client CFOs to speak into all those results. So we kind of have to know where we've been and where we're at before we can know where we're going. So the the good data that we have, so we're looking at number of clients, patients, customers, looking at their average spend, looking at that client acquisition cost, things like that. Um, how do we see cross-sell opportunities or different promotional items to kind of get back into making each individual relationship worth a little bit more when we look at total revenue. And so um, that's that's like step one of, of an assessment, just to make sure that the revenue, we're not leaving money on the table. The other side of that revenue conversation is, do you have the capacity to do that? And so do you have the team to obviously serve your patient base or client base with those additional services that you wanna offer? And this is a real, real weird time in the economy because we're kind of on the threshold of, are we in a recession or are we not? And you still can't find people uh, to work. And so there it's, it's, you know, the jobs report just came out today. So I think 344,000 or ish uh, were added. So even though the economy is kind of in a getting softer and inflation starting to level out, even um, there's just not, there's not the people like we once had. And so I think that's a result of COVID and reassessment and things like that. So capacity is weaved into that revenue conversation that we're having with clients because maybe, maybe, and this is another one that even we do, uh, you want to go get a certain type of revenue or a certain higher value engagement, but your, your capacity is bogged down with lower level work or low, lower level procedures, how do you free up your team to go do those procedures that are more valuable? So sometimes it's actually cutting things. And we've talked about that, whether it's cutting uh, certain procedures, certain things that you used to do because you don't have the availability to do it. And maybe it's number of patients, maybe it's number of clients, maybe it's procedures. So I think that's one that really comes in a lot is uh, kind of that revenue growth uh, conversation. Yeah. And then um, I know that 
again, there are a lot, there are a lot of things in your inbox. So uh, thankfully, our clients do rely on our team of three here um, at Dillon CPAs. And so they do ask a lot of questions. And that's what we have um, set them up for. And that's what we like. We want the questions to come before they make a decision rather than after um, they've made a decision that could potentially uh, negatively impact uh, them either at the business level or at the personal level and just talk through all of the options and then all of the, I guess, resulting consequences of doing um, whatever it is that they might be deciding on. And so we do serve a lot of dental clients here um, in our business. And so something that we've noticed is that a lot of dental clients, um, especially in our area, but I would say probably nationwide, are being bought out by corporate um, DSO organizations. And so they are not always um, owned by, you know, uh, a single owner dentist or two to three dentists. Um, now they might be owned by a corporate organization. So just talk through a little bit about what you're seeing um, with some of maybe even our clients or maybe even those just around us that aren't our clients. What are some questions that people are having um, from that standpoint? I, I think it's this kind of happens in cycles. So we're actually in this cycle of um, independent ownership of like private practices. So uh, dental, medical is no different. We saw that with medical a while back. Um, a lot of big, big hospital systems were going in and offering individual family run practices too, too good of an option to continue to run that practice on their own. Now we're seeing that in dental. That's been a few years seeing that in all specialties of dental, actually. Um, seeing that in the vet space as well, because we do have quite a few clients in the vet space. So both of those um, are are in play. And then we're also seeing that, honestly, in the CPA world. Um, so in professional services, kind of across the board. What What is fueling that is private equity. And so um, it, it's a model that can be scaled. What This is what private equity has figured out kind of over years and years. You get a management kind of system in place, make it very systematic, put in SOPs or standard operating procedures for each location. Uh, you're able to attract team members or you hope you can attract team members because you can offer them better benefits because you're a large organization. You can offer them kind of an, a, a growth, a career path, if you would, um, a little bit better than like a single, single family uh, ownership structure. And so that's intriguing to some, but it's also a cycle that we know given our years and decades of experience in doing this. So just like anything, it'll, it'll kind of turn. Uh, we're probably, I don't want to, I mean, probably 75% into this cycle. So it's really heavy. People have evaluated a ton of offers. We've seen a ton of offers. We've helped clients go through those and make sure that it's the right decision for them, which it's all part of succession. So if you're a small business owner, you wake up probably every day um, thinking about succession sometime in your day. And so it may keep you up at night. It may keep you uh, up and it may be the first thing you think about whenever your feet hit the floor, just because if you can't envision your future and what happens to this business that you built, you go throughout life with some uncertainty. So there is a place in with these in the dental world, they're called DSOs. It's just corporate model of this. 
And, and we've seen multiple reiterations of this, where you, whether you, you go as a W-2 employee and you have no ownership of the company, or if you have ownership in your physical office location that you run and operate, or if, or if you have stock options where there's either uh, something else on the other side of that play. So the way that the way that private equity kind of works um, is there's a there's an acquisition, and then every three to five years after that initial acquisition, there's a recap, a recapitalization, where it's essentially that private equity goes out and refinances the business and takes some cash off the table, pays the cash to the shareholders uh, because they've grown the business. It's more profitable. So the biggest partner in that private equity relationship is the bank because the bank is the one lending these funds. It's the private equity office. These are, these are not people with necessarily cash capital ready to inject to inject. They're people with the relationships of the bank to go out and get funding. So every three to five years, either a recap happens or a smaller private equity company will sell the business to a larger private equity company. And so you kind of have two to three transactions before you really get to these large private equity companies that are, you know, almost like publicly traded, like you may own uh, like Blackstone or things like that, where you may get private money that does also invest in those. Or they may be on the trajectory where it's uh, IPO, like where somebody is actually going to list this company in the stock market. So a few different reiterations. That's kind of how private equity works whenever you enter into that. And every time one of those transactions happens, things change, like control changes, uh, how things are run changes. So the mindset of running and owning your own business completely changes whenever you're ready to make that transact transaction, that tra transition. So when clients come to us and bring us, hey, I've been offered seven, eight, nine X multiple on my EBITDA, which is your earnings before income taxes, depreciation, and amortization, which is kind of like it levels the playing field across different businesses. So that's usually how you see that. And that multiple changes given the aggressiveness of the market, right? So we're seeing crazy multiples in dental. We're seeing even crazier multiples right now in vet space because vets don't have the compression with insurance like dental and, and medical do. So the way we help doctors or business owners evaluate that is get them ready for that. If that's part of their path, if that's part of their overall succession plan and that's what they're moving towards, we talk through it and get ready for it. So um, we get not blindsided, but we'll be surprised by a, a dentist who we didn't think that was part of their future. They'll come to us and say, hey, I was offered this and we celebrate with them. We, you know, it's like, great. Is that something we need to put on our radar for the future? And they're like, what do you mean? Like, well, one, you never accept the first offer. Like no matter how good it is, it, it can get better. And so especially your business was not for sale. Someone approached you. So you would be very foolish just to take the first offer and not leverage that offer in an open market situation. The other thing that we kind of do after we talk them off the ledge and unsell them on things that that DSO may have, maybe have promised is we make sure that like their financials, things that they already run through their business make sense. And so when you own your own business, especially 100% ownership in one family, 
there are certain decisions you may make with the money that flows through that business that that next owner may not make. So what we see there is people add their spouses to payroll to kind of do certain things in the business. They may pay that spouse more than market or less than market if they really do work in the business. They may pay their children or other family members to do certain things in the business. And that new owner, probably not going to employ those same people. They're going to change up some things because the administration of that office completely changes whenever you go to a corporate model. They may also do other things uh, for employees like incentives, team trips, uh, different travel or different retreats and things like that, that are more at the discretion, at the whim of the owner that you, you really, the best thing you can do is after you've after you know that this is part of your future is isolate that in a section. And so that's what we do. Uh, we actually set up like the, the typical GNA, like what any owner would incur. And then at the bottom, we would do discretionary expenses, which are totally, you know, legitimate business expenses, but they are discretionary in nature. So it helps that doctor owner frame what's going to, like, what am I really making out of this business? What am I going to be on the hook for after I'm no longer an owner? And I do like to travel. I do like to do certain things. And the business kind of allows me to do that because we also do work while we're on those trips. So setting up financials is like where you go after this person comes to you and you says, hey, this is where we're at. I'm, I want to work towards this. And so we celebrate that and we say, okay, let's let's go do it. And let's go build out, let's get lean as possible. Like, let's make sure we're going to increase your bottom line as much as possible. Because if we shave $10,000, that was unnecessary, but you just did it anyway. That $10,000 on a 7X multiple is another $70,000 that, that, that you're going to get as far as purchase price. So let's be as smart as we possibly can over the next few months or year or years as we work towards this transaction. And then that other thing that people get surprised about, that DSO, like they don't necessarily give you all cash. Like, so let's say you have a million dollar EBITDA, 7 million is your purchase price. They may give you a portion of cash. So 7 million is your por uh, purchase price. You're gonna pay tax on 7 million-ish most likely. So they'll give you enough cash to pay your taxes, They'll give you maybe some stock in the new entity or your new office up to a certain amount. You do not control it uh, at all. And the remaining amount may be surprising how much you're really left with after taxes. So a lot of practice owners, a lot of business owners also have debt on their books, whether it's credit cards, whether it's a practice loan, whether it's uh, equipment that was financed. And the DSO is not going to be on the hook for that debt. So you actually have to pay off that debt with those funds or come out of pocket to pay off that debt. So that's usually where the game kind of shifts from. This was not a great deal. What were like, I'm stupid to actually take this. And we've had people say that and it's like, no, you're not stupid. You're just not ready. And I think that's where you, you get as lean as possible while you work towards that. And then at the same time, the way that what you do with that extra cash is you pay down your debt. So whenever you do think that that is a really good idea and on the other side of that transaction, you do get to keep more of that money because you're probably just likely going to go mostly W2 comp from then on out. So that was a ton of information and I'm just got really deep there. So I apologize. <laughs> that's, I think that's really good and really helpful, especially if um, the, 
price tag or the purchase price is really clouding some judgment and you get a little overly eager um, and ready. What are some reasons that business owners may be overly eager and that that price tag uh, might be a good persuasion to sell out? Like what are some things on a day-to-day basis that might be easier for them if they went DSO rather than staying as the independent owner? Well, I I can speak into what's promised by that (laughs) corporation. So uh, a more balanced work life. And so, and just like anything, you have to evaluate if, if someone's promising you something, something and you're in less control versus you as business owner have full control are there just tweaks and changes you can make to your day to make, make your life better? So that's also like that therapy side of what we do and talking to that, like, you know, are you really going to continue with your same schedule where it's a couple days a week out of the office and you're only really doing procedures three days a week, or is this new model going to be so heavily based on certain metrics that you have to hit in your practice? to where you're, you're going back in the office more than you thought. And so that's something to think through. And we've seen corporations, good corporations and bad corporations on the other side of that. So the great thing is a lot of, a lot of practice owners, they have friends that have done these and they know which ones to kind of avoid, which ones have a bad rep. Um, so it, it's really having a good conversation with multiple corporations. If you are going down that path and, there are reasons to do them, right? So uh, we're we're all guilty of running businesses kind of head down and not looking up toward the future or following the plan that we set out on. And so they may just get head down and look up and realize they have no succession plan. And they're at a stage in life where this is their best option. And so it's one of those where you kind of evaluate the market, see what you can do, go to work for um, that next next corporation for the next three to five years, maybe you get a, a bigger piece of the apple if they, if they sell again, cause that's the other piece of kind of the incentive and that's your exit. You know, that's kind of what people work towards as opposed to hiring an associate, raising them up to kind of run the office, be the leader and do something a little bit more natural. And so we see that. We, other see, we, we also see, you know, um, some unexpected life circumstance where someone, um, you know, a, a, something with a family, whether it's a divorce, a death, something else to that extent where it's kind of driving the need for that or someone gets sick and can't can't run the business any longer or work in the business. So that that's sad, but it, it does happen. And in those situations, I would, you know, you rec- we recommend getting it done as soon as possible before the business enterprise value of the of the organization starts to to fall um, because of whatever that life circumstance was. So, um, but it, it it takes a ton of um, of conversation and you know prayer and making sure that it is the right step for you in, in the next stage of life because it it will be such a big change. Yeah. I think another um, consideration or something else that makes, um, you know, being bought out or selling out to a larger organization is just that a lot of business owners suffer from decision fatigue. And especially the smaller the office, every decision is made ultimately by the business owner. So they are deciding on what services to offer, 
um, how much to pay people, when to hire people, um, all a ton of infrastructure deci decisions are on that business owner. Um, if they do not have a team of people that they rely on to help with those decisions, a lot of times they're just a lot of uncertainty if they're making the right decisions. And so I think a lot of times to allow that business owner to get back to whatever their passion was from the beginning and really maybe get back to being a little bit more of a practitioner or a little bit more of, um, you know, client facing or um patient facing, then they just really um, lean into the infrastructure that would be promised, potentially provided by a larger organization where they have a lot fewer decisions that they have to make around um, those types of things that probably were not the reason that they went into business in the first place. Yeah. The, I mean, that's a great point. And the other side of that is larger organizations just take longer to make decisions. So if you like, if you kind of pride yourself on being able to assess a situation and act swiftly and, and make good decisions, not be dumb and act irrational, but move quick because of an opportunity in the market or because of things that you see, it takes a lot longer to steer a bigger ship. And so with corporations, with DSOs, we see a lot of those owners get frustrated because decisions aren't made timely or what they are used to. They've run their own business for years, decades, and all of a sudden they want to hire a person and it just takes longer. They want to implement some new procedure or some new software. It takes longer. There's just multiple lever levels of approval. Maybe they don't even control their own P&L. They just control a line item or a budget on it. So all of that needs to be discussed or, or actually not even discussed because the corporation is in control, no doubt. And so you just have to be okay with, with being in that situation. And it comes with giving up some of that anxiety, whether you're making the right decisions or not. But at the same time, if you feel confident in that decision and you want to move forward, it's not going to be as fast as you wanted it to be. Yeah. So just to, just to recap and end our discussion today, if uh, a client were to come to you and they are being approached to um, be bought out by a private equity or a, a corporate organization, um, what, what would you say to them? Congratulations. Number one, because <laughs> I think that's the coolest thing because you've got somebody else that recognizes you built a great business and they want that, you know? And so I think that's number one is, Hey, you're doing something right. Congratulations. Number two is why do you think, why, why are you entertained by this offer? Like what, what's there? Is it just the financial or is there something else in life that you're striving for and you don't want to be so committed to the business? You want different options. Maybe you want to move, maybe you want to, so I think it's unpacking some of that. And then it kind of that last point is everything that we've talked through today. It's, you know, talking them like, okay, based on our experience, this is what we see. We've, we've talked through the positives. We kind of know where you're at and, and that's going to drive that discussion of, okay, this, this is a good offer. There's some negotiation in this offer, but we also need to bring in an, another party to make sure that you're, you're actually getting what you're worth. And, and we know that a little bit too. So we can kind of speak into based on historical, but markets change, you know, things change pretty quick around here, even in like 
where we're at today with the economy getting a little bit softer, lending rates going up. So multiples change and people get more aggressive or less aggressive by the day. So I think that's the second part. And then they're, they're most likely not ready at that point, whether it's from a mental aspect or a financial aspect. So it's kind of getting some of that house in order. And if, if they are approaching you and willing to buy your business today, more than likely they're still going to be there in six months or a year. They're, they're just like we'd said, like they're slow to make decisions. They're still going to be on this path of acquiring companies within six to six to 12 months. Let's go back. Let's do some due diligence. Let's continue to think about it and really see if this is the right decision for you individually and not, not your golf buddy, not, not the other person that you're in a study group with. Um, you know, it, it's one of those, like, you really need to be okay with this as your decision because it's your life. It's your business. You can't do it just because your buddy did it and he's okay with it. So I think that's the other piece to, to think about. And I know that for our entire team, that is what we strive for as an organization is to help business owners make educated decisions that they are confident in, that they are not uncertain or regretting um, after the fact, because they went in with eyes wide open and full knowledge of the pros and cons of those decisions and what the long-term, short-term and long-term effects are going to be from making that decision. And so I know we highlight um, our fractional CFO services to do that, but really it takes our entire team to pull that off um, and pull the data together to be able to make those recommendations and to be able to sit down and really, um, you know, break apart the information, break apart offers, and then really strategize on what is the best way to approach this if we're even going to entertain it, you know, further than just the initial offer. Yeah. And, and, and that's where like boring is beautiful when things are running along. Uh, that's what makes deals. If you decide to move forward and go through due diligence on their side, because after you've accepted the offer, that's when the real work begins. And like, they get really under the hood and really give you the full physical. And we've seen a lot, you know, a lot of deals where it's like one or two things really bust the whole deal. And then there's disappointment. So maybe that's, Hey, I've been running my own payroll and I've, I've got payroll tax issues or I, I haven't filed the right compliance re returns, whether it's like an annual tax return or like some use tax return. Um, maybe you've got a lawsuit from a former employee or, or something like that. So like that's the other stuff. You don't want any of that baggage to go into due diligence. So if there's any of that, you need to clean up first because the corporation they're looking for anything possible to lower your price and so if one of those things comes up think it's just like selling a house right and then so you go through inspection oh this water heater is 12 years old like i need a whole brand new water heater and a plumber's gonna install it's five thousand dollars versus you know what it would cost to go buy one at home depot so it, you kind of those are the parallels and you just want to make sure you go into it fully ready for that. And if there's any of that stuff that you need to clean up or you're doing it on your own right now, engage a professional um, to help you through that process and start with some of that easy, low-hanging fruit first. 
Yeah. Well, I think this was a great conversation and um, most likely very informative to everybody hearing it. And so I think what we'll continue to do is sprinkle in some what's in your inbox from our CFOs just to help um, listeners with maybe something that they're actually experiencing or something that they need might be helping um, their clients with. So anyway, looking forward to our next conversation. Yeah, it was a good one. Thanks for leading it. All right. Thanks for hanging with us to the end of another episode. If you have thoughts, comments, or feedback you would like to share, please leave us a comment or review on your favorite podcast listening platform. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. Join us again next week for another great conversation.